Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hey there, welcome to episode 169 of the Leading Learning Podcast, where we welcome back Claire Rosso. Claire is the Executive Vice President of Engagement and Learning Innovation at the Association of International Certified Professional Accountants. And in that role, she leads learning globally for management and public accountants. Jeff, you spoke with Claire this time around. What did you cover? Well, we picked up on the theme for the last interview that uh, you did with Claire, the future of learning. And there's there's just still plenty to be said on that topic. And Claire has plenty of great insights and stories to share. And we span the range of topics that learning leaders need to be tuned into these days. And that's, you know, from cutting edge technologies like blockchain and artificial intelligence to dealing with more mundane things like price pressure and competition. And, you know, one item that I'll highlight from the conversation is that Claire talks about the success that they've been having with Facebook Live. And they're attracting really large numbers of viewers to some of their educational content. And I want to highlight that because, you know, for anyone listening who comes from a smaller organization or business, you know, you might be saying, oh, Claire, she's at a huge organization. She has a big budget and plenty of resources. But I was struck by how she and her team are nonetheless experimenting with approaches that are really available to any of us, like Facebook Live. So, you know, I think she shows herself to be the sort of avatar that uh, we often talk about when we talk about leadership. She's really walking the walk, and I think listeners are definitely going to want to follow her. And when you say that they're uh, attracting uh, a large number of viewers to Facebook Live, we're talking millions. Millions, yes. So I, I know that it's great. It's always wonderful to see a learning leader who walks the walk. So let's get right to that interview with Claire Rosso. Hey out there, I'm Jeff Cobb. This is the Leading Learning Podcast, and today I'm talking with Claire Rosso. Claire is Executive Vice President of Engagement and Learning Innovation at the Association of International Certified Professional Accountants, or AICPA, which I'll note is the world's largest accounting and finance professional organization. Claire, you are a leader for what has to be one of the biggest continuing education and professional development audiences in the world. And I know listeners are going to find tremendous value in hearing what you're thinking and where your efforts are focused these days. So thanks for taking the time to come back onto the show for a second time and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. I'm actually, I'm just thrilled to be back. So thank you for having me. Thank you for what you and your company do to kind of 
keep the conversation about learning going. And in my mind, there has never really been a more exciting time in this industry because there is so much change going on. And I think learning professionals are really going to be at the center of helping all sorts of working people be successful in the future. Well, that's a perspective that we both most definitely share and are going to dig into uh, in, in this conversation. Uh, before we get there, though, um, I mean, you were talking about change. Uh, I gave a little bit of an introduction on you, but I know quite a bit has uh, changed uh, since you were on the show the last time uh, with, with your organization, um, with your role. Can you, can you give listeners a, a little bit of background on the AICPA and, and then what you do there? Oh, sure. So AICPA is the American Institute of CPAs, and we are the professional body, professional association for certified public accountants in the United States. And we had a joint venture, an all-but-merger, with the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants, and together we formed the Association for International Professional Accountants. I know that's a that's a mouthful, but we represent about 667,000 members and students globally, wow. both in the public accounting and management accounting space. So it's a, it's a pretty significant group. And, you know, obviously as a professional association, in addition to um, learning and thought leadership. We, you know, obviously um, are looking after the reputation and the employability of these members and their designations and, and working with accounting and finance bodies across the globe. And then me specifically, as we're with the team of engagement and learning innovation, I probably have the best job in the whole association, in my opinion, mm. because my team gets to imagine, develop, and then deliver learning to support the profession. And again, in a time of incredible change. So it's a, it's really exciting for us. Well, I love your title, uh, engagement and learning innovation. That just, you know, that, that says tons right there. Uh, and, uh, makes me think that the job is very exciting, which, which I know it is. Now, I, you know, I mean, gosh, you're serving more than 600,000 people, uh, you know, engagement, innovation. There's so, so many topics that uh, I'd love to cover with you. But let, let's start with one that I know um, is close to your heart, and that's uh, the impact of technology on learning. And, you know, that, that's obviously been a front and center issue for leaders in the learning business. Uh, I'm wondering, in, in what ways do you see technology most impacting learning at this point? And, and, and how are you and your organization working to, to take advantage of the, the opportunities that come from disruption? Yeah, so I, I think about it several ways, right? So, and there's two different kind of, two different paths we could go down. One is let's talk about how technology is just disrupting our business. So the kinds of things we need to learn are very different than what they used to be. Mm -hmm. And then of course, technology is the great um, accelerator of creating new ways to deliver learning to our customers. But uh, let's talk first about 
um, the great demand maybe that it's creating in the marketplace. And I have a favorite example that if you will indulge me, I would like to share with you. And it's called IBM Walmart and the bad mango. Oh, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I definitely, definitely move forward with that. Okay. So, um, in, a year ago, so in August 2017, IBM partnered with a whole lot of food supply chain providers, such as Walmart, right? Today, and their goal was to say, hey, can we make the food supply chain be more transparent and can we more efficiently and effectively um, identify when things happen, like suddenly romaine lettuce is bad, mm-hmm. right? And so they said, and let's see if we can use blockchain to enable that. And so they started to run an experiment with a bunch of different providers. And specifically with Walmart, they went looking for a bad mango. And using traditional methods, which are not just paper and pencil methods, right? They're very digitally enabled. But using traditional methods, it took six days 18 hours and 26 minutes to locate a bad mango in Mexico. When they ran that same food supply chain through a blockchain, it took 2.2 seconds. Wow. And that to me, yeah, and that to me, and you're thinking, you serve accounting and finance professionals. Why do you care? Well, I care because since that happened, Walmart has said, if you want to be a supplier into our food supply chain, you need to get on our blockchain within the next year. Mm. And anyone who is an advisor to small businesses or large businesses suddenly has a need to know what a blockchain is. And 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 most people don't, yeah. Right. And how do I get on the blockchain? Right. And that's just to me, that's a really like fast, rapid example. Um, another one that was a little closer to home for us that then spoke to the need of we need to be thinking different about how we learn. A very large multinational organization um, used, used to take them 800 people one month, so that's 16,000 workdays, to do their monthly forecasting process. So it's 800 people it took a month Mm. to put out a forecast for this large multinational. They implemented a new machine learning AI system, artificial intelligence system, and it now takes two people two days. Wow. And so you went from 16,000 days to four days to get out this multinational's forecast. And so that company suddenly had this wonderful problem that we might all wish to have. Mm. We had lots of employees with lots of time to do new things. And I'm not sure that every organization is ready to redeploy people on new activities, especially if they haven't been trained. So that's That's a little bit the context at which we're kind of looking at learning and how we provide learning. Um, You know, there's a degree to which traditionally I think we just say, okay, 
here's your 2017 update, here's your 2018 update. But this was to us, this suddenly became very game changing. Things that were fundamental to what a financial professional did, like creating a forecast. Mm-hmm. Suddenly a machine was going to be doing that. So what would the financial professional be doing instead? So that was that we felt as a professional association, we first needed to understand that ourselves, right? And um, and the place we've really gotten to is those financial professionals, instead of doing those repetitive, um, high-volume tasks, they're really going to be adding um, value to the business and producing insights that again, could drive value for the business. So what does that look like in terms of how you produce your learning? And for us, it it results in, I would say, like an evolution of how we think of our competency framework and Mm -hmm. how we deliver learning. So instead of thinking of like a professional's technical skills and people skills and business skills and leadership skills separately, We've started to think about them in a much more integrated way, right? Because especially if a machine's going to be ending up taking care of much of the technical, we need to really think about, well, how am I communicating with people and influencing people and um, driving value for an organization? So we've started to develop our learning in a very integrated way that looks at things through a digital lens, Like, what happens if I try to apply this in a digital environment? What does that mean? What am I going to do with that? And then also takes into consideration not, you know, we represent accountants, right? So we're dealing with, like, accounting standards. And it's not just so much about the accounting standard, but it's really about the context in which it's going to be applied and what does that mean for the business. The examples Claire highlights in her conversation with Jeff hinge on accessing and leveraging data successfully. If getting more value out of data is one of your goals, be sure to check out our sponsor for this quarter. Authentic Learning Labs is an education company seeking to bring complementary tech and services to empower publishers and L&D organizations to help elevate their programs. The company leverages technology like AI, data analytics, and advanced embeddable API-based services to complement existing initiatives, offering capabilities that are typically out of reach for resource-stretched groups or growing programs needing to scale. Find out more at leadinglearning.com slash authentic. And now back to Jeff's conversation with Claire Rosso as they turn to the topic of how well businesses and employees are prepared for the new learning landscape. And I'm wondering, as you say that, um, A, you know, I'd like to learn a little bit more about uh, how you're working with employers, working with businesses to, to sort this out, because obviously, you know, this is all happening in the workplace. And then B, kind of how how prepared employers are for this. And, 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 and as kind of context, background for this, when we were emailing about this interview, you mentioned the, uh, the 2018 uh, World Economic Forum Jobs Report. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll definitely make sure we link to that in the show notes because I think really, you know, if, if, if anybody listening is not familiar with that, you, you should be familiar with that. And, you know, in the, in the introduction to that, uh, Klaus Schwab, who's the executive chairman of the forum, I mean, he's, he's talking about kind of the issue that you're pointing at. You know, he, he says basically, you know, we're, on the, we're entering this kind of uh, fourth industrial 
industrial uh, age here, and you know it represents a lot of opportunity. But at the same, there's there's also this potential downside. I'm going to quote what he says here. He says, you know, to prevent an undesirable lose lose scenario meaning technological change accompanied by talent shortages, mass unemployment, and growing inequality, it's it's critical that businesses take an active role in supporting their existing workforces through reskilling and upskilling, and that individuals take a proactive approach to their own lifelong learning. So I'm wondering, you know, are are the businesses that, uh, you know, are kind of represented within your profession, are they taking that active role? Are they prepared? And I guess for that matter, are are the individual uh, financial and accounting professionals, are are they stepping up and taking responsibility for their own lifelong learning? That is a great question. And um, let's take the employer part first. Um, Two things. One, if you had asked me about the employers a year ago, I would have told you that every employer I talk to says we are 100% committed to um, upskilling our team members mm. with new new competencies so that they can help work with us in this new world. The 2018 jobs report from the World Economic Forum says that's not true. Right. It says what employers generally are doing is they're first and foremost, they're just going out in the marketplace and looking for people who have the skills they want. So, for example, um, if a company thinks it needs to be doing more with data, they are saying, well, I don't know that I'm going to take my people I have and turn them into data analysts. I'm going to just go hire data analysts, Right. right? So that's the first thing we're seeing. The second thing the jobs report tells us is that they're looking at all the processes in their businesses and saying, if we can, let's automate it. And then third, they're looking at, hey, let's let's retrain our um, existing employees. But what the report calls out is it says, you know, we're first going to focus on retraining people who add high value to the organization. Mm -hmm. Second, we will look at supporting those people that um, will be using new technologies within our business. And then only third, would they look at upskilling the employees who are being um, sort of replaced by the technology? who the technology is replacing their roles. And in fact, the report says that those the most in need of reskilling are least likely to receive it. Right. So, and that's, that's sort of worldwide, right, in businesses. I think the accounting profession might be a little different than that. But I think the main takeaway for me is um, a couple things. One, that employers are starting to look differently about the kind of learning that they deliver to their employees. And it's really not as much one size fits all as maybe it used to be. And so they're trying to become much more intentional and selective about where are they investing in formal learning Mm -hmm. and what are the opportunities for informal learning that may support the growth of their people. So that's, that's sort of one. And then I think on the individual side, 
um, going back to this idea of intention, there is really an imperative that all of us as professionals become much more intentional about our learning. The, the jobs report actually says, it's a little scary if you think about this, that 101 days of learning are required between now and 2022 if you want to remain relevant. Wow, that's a figure. I, I, well, I, I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's a lot, that's, right? That, that's a lot, yeah. And um, so what I like to try to remind people before they become flipped out about that is there's lots of ways to learn. That's true. I mean, we're learning all the time. And as you said, we just need to be a little more conscious and intentional about it. Right. And so, you know, we just had this women's leadership summit and we, it was great. We had 700 women all like totally engaged in, um, in what's going on in the profession and the disruption new technologies are bringing. And one of the things that we talked to that group about was like, really think about when and where do you have the opportunity to learn? Mm -hmm. You know, there was a time when we talked about what's your preferred learning style and that's important still, but I think the opportunity to learn is more important. So thus, what I would say is the rise of podcasts, like what you're doing now, that's a great way for people to learn. And, you know, 70% of learning, they say, is informal, right? So when right. can I listen to a podcast or watch a video cast? Or, you know, we've been doing some Facebook Live. And we've been doing them on what we call, it's a human intelligence series. So we're talking about topics like analytical thinking and creativity and complex problem solving, right? But they're all 10 minutes long. Mm. Um, and in the first year, we had more than 3 million views. Wow. And I will tell you, we never had 3 million views on anything. In yeah. fact, I think our single most watched video of 2018 has um, almost 300,000 views. And before we started this project, our greatest video view of any single video was maybe 10,000. Wow. That, I mean, and, and that's a low, invest, low yeah. cost investment, right? I, I love that. I mean, you're reaching so many more people, like you said, is relatively low cost. And I mean, what a fantastic way to demonstrate your value as an organization to your audience. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's, uh, it's probably not directly marketing, but it is, you know, implicitly showing your value and is going to attract more people to the whole array of, of offerings that you have. Right. And that's where I think like kind of as somebody who runs a learning business, you have to start to think about a little differently about your business model, right? Mm -hmm. There's a degree to which like helping people learn the fundamentals, that isn't something you're necessarily selling anymore. Right. That can be free learning. So that can be yeah. Facebook Live. It can be blogs, podcasts, all sorts of, it might be articles still. People still like articles. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but different. And then, and then as people, um, like see that and experience that, I think then they make the decision, well, where do I want to dive deeper, right? And mm -hmm. that's where maybe more of your formal learning programs will come. We certainly have seen some rise in people engaging in certificate programs mm. um, to say, you know, I've done this learning and I... Um, 
have acquired these competencies, right? And now instead of issuing paper certificates, we issue digital badges. And so the beauty of a digital badge is when um, the body of knowledge changes, you can expire. I, as the provider of the learning, can expire a digital badge if somebody doesn't stay current, right? Uh, right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important, and I think it's something that employers are looking to as well, is to see what's the currency of your learning right. when, they're, when they're hiring. Yeah. And, and uh, to turn back to employers for, for just a minute, because um, I'm intrigued. We were talking about, you know, how prepared they are, whether they're really doing what they need to be doing. I'm wondering if you, you know, as a, as a learning business, as a, an outside provider, so, I mean, you're not the L&D you know, department at the, you know, at the company, the firm that, that you're serving, you're coming in from the outside. Are you finding that, in, that part of your role now is to help educate the employers about what needs to be done and, and possibly even to be more consultative in, in how you're working with them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we are 100% consultative. So it's a very different experience, I think, when you go out, when our team goes out and talks to firms or employers, um, instead of saying, this is what I have, it becomes a give and take conversation about what is it that you need, Mm. right? And what are the things that are causing you, I hate to use the old adage, but like keeping you up at night for your business, what are you worried about? And let's look at how we might be able to solve those problems and the variety of different ways that you can solve those problems. But, um, very, yeah, very consultative, very, again, not as much one size fits all, um, in terms of I'm going to, give the same training to everyone. I think people want to make sure, employers want to make sure that um, they're giving the right training to the right employee at the right time. So the other thing that we've, we have people ask us about all the time is how do I know, right? How Mm -hmm. do I know what my staff needs? And so we, we have several conversations about how can you assess your your the competency of your staff and and what does that really mean right and what and what about on the the other end uh, so you assess them and, and uh, figure out what they need and then they go through whatever learning initiative uh, uh, seems to be the right path are are you helping employers to understand whether they have learned whether whether there's been an impact and and it's moved the dial. Yeah, and so that's and that's a more long-term proposition, but we do we do an assessment to understand there's some again, not one size fits all, but pre-assessment and then post-assessment to understand what people have learned or what they've had the exposure to, right? And then sort of look at what's the long-term benefit of this. Mm-hmm. And um that is both there's a little formality to that. And then there's sort of also informal assessment. I was just yesterday looking through some results of we have a new blockchain certificate that we put out in the the market. It's just a fundamental certificate. And it, it's really fascinating to look at that qualitative data that comes back and talks about you know, the value people found why they did it, how they think they can apply it, and mm. what else they do or don't want to learn. Like sometimes they say, well, that's great. I have like kind of the basis that I need to know based on what's in the market right now. 
And so I, I'm, I'm wondering, you, you've mentioned uh, certificates uh, a few times now, and it sounds like that's you know, a, an area of growth for you. I wonder if, wondering if there are any other ways in which your, you know, your, your product approaches or your business model in general has, has changed over the past few years. Because you know, as somebody who's worked with a, a number of um, CPA societies, um, I, I know that the, you know, the whole CPE business can be really cutthroat. I mean, there's a lot of price competition. There, there are you know, vendors out there selling it by the bucket load. I mean, how, how do you think about you know, your business model, your pricing, which, what products you're going to offer at this point? That is a great question. Um, and it is, it's a very competitive marketplace that gets more competitive by the day. Somebody sent me an email last week and said, did you know that LinkedIn now is in the CPE for CPAs yeah. business, right? Yeah. LinkedIn, LinkedIn LinkedIn's going to eat everybody's lunch. I think. <laughs> um, so it does, it's made us, it, it's made us more reflective when we think about our product strategy. And so we did some research. So a little bit of it is much more research-based. We know that there are fundamentals that we need to do to support our profession, right? And we're going to keep doing those and we will deliver that in the way that um, our members and customers sort of prefer, Right. You know, and so that's a little bit the the what's been going on for the past decade of people moving from live to digital delivery. We are seeing with some of these more complex topics that people are moving back to live for those. Hmm. Like if I'm going to have a blockchain workshop, I might want to go to that or cybersecurity. I want to do that in a live in-person environment, not the webcaster on demand environment. So we are seeing that. But the other thing that we've done is we've done a lot of research. Um, we did sort of both quantitative and qualitative research on the future of finance. In fact, we're releasing a big report at the end of January. But that really, that really was about going out in the marketplace and talking to stakeholders and finding out what they want, what was important to them, what opportunities and problems they saw on the horizon, and then saying, how can we best serve those needs mm. in a way that's different than what our competition is going to do? Right. Um, and, you know, I think professional associations have an opportunity because we are so very close to the um, – the needs of the profession and we're working to benefit the profession that that does give us a little bit of a step up there. But, uh, so that's part of it of how we're looking at it. And then I think the other, the other thoughts are you asked about pricing. Um, you know, obviously we're always looking at how, how do we be competitively priced? And at the same time, um, be able to, generate revenue to to do new things, right? So that's a, that's an ongoing process. My team has actually over the past couple of years, we've, we've taken um, a page or two from the technology company's playbooks, and we have been using agile methodologies Mm -hmm. for development of our learning products so that we can test something in the marketplace and say, how is this resonating? How do we need to refine it? We actually just did that this summer with our um, 
robotic process automation certificate, which is very, you know, kind of a very different topic mm-hmm. for CPAs, right? You have you have uh, some very cool certificates, by the way. I mean, b- blockchain, <laughs> robotics, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's incredible. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? But anyway, so that, so we've done that. And we've also actually, we have team members that run lean teams mm. and just constantly looking kind of for efficiency and really understanding was the customer once? And how can we deliver that you know, better, faster, more efficiently and effectively than our competition? So, right. so, that, so that's part of it. If you're looking to deliver the learning experience your customer wants and do it better, faster, and more effectively, you'll want to find out more about our sponsor for this quarter. Blue Sky eLearn is the creator of the Path Learning Management System, an award-winning cloud-based learning solution that allows organizations to easily deliver, track, and monetize valuable education and event content online. Blue Sky also provides webinar and webcast services, helping you maximize your content and create deeper engagement with your audience across the world. To find out more about Blue Sky eLearn and everything they offer, visit leadinglearning.com slash bluesky. And now back to Jeff's conversation with Claire as they turn to talking about how to communicate the importance of true learning to prospective customers. And and have you changed anything about your, you know, your messaging, your communication to your prospective learners? And I'm thinking, you know, I know there there are plenty of CPAs out there, um, and I know that's not your whole audience, uh, but uh, people who have to get CPE. That you know, just thinking, you know, I just want to get my forty hours and check that box and get get that over with. I mean, have you have you done anything to try to make people you know realize the importance of of, of true learning and that, that you're offering something that's you know not just the check the box CPE? Yeah, so we do have a check the box product, right? If you want fast, efficient, inexpensive, we have that for you, right? And and so that's available, but. We have really association-wide been spending a lot of time, including our CEO, talking about the importance of learning to remain relevant. And that's where you kind of, it's not just, to us, that's not necessarily just marketing. We're here to serve and sustain a profession as well. Mm-hmm. And we we consider this really critical. And, and I think what we've we've been working with the teams on trying to do is also be much more specific about who is, who is this product designed for? And instead of creating something that's bigger and more generic, create smaller learning bundles or sizes of things that are more specific to the work that's on somebody's desk. So with blockchain, we did sort of the overview fundamentals, but then we have verticals based on what industry do you work on. And they're not big, huge programs. They're shorter programs, but they're very specific to if I'm in financial services or if I'm working in the healthcare industry. So much more targeted and application-based and trying to communicate and making sure that people understand that and the value they're going to get from that. Um, that's been helpful to us as well. Hmm. And so if, if you were to kind of pull back um, or pull up to a, to a higher level than, than, than just uh, your work in, in your field and just think about the learning business in, in, in general and being successful as a, as a learning business these days, you know, somebody who's going to be providing education to professionals uh, in, in whatever field or industry, 
what are the, you know, two or three tips or just lessons that, uh, that you would want to share with, uh, other learning leaders based on your experience at this point? Yeah, if I have three lessons learned, I probably have 90 lessons learned. Um, One is, I would say, really think about how you're targeting and customizing your learning. So, and that's a combination of both how you build it, right? And are you building it maybe in a more modular way where you have sort of the core component of your learning and then you add on modules depending on a specific audience that you're working with? Um, It's also a little bit about making sure that you're delivering the right marketing message out to the customer base. So they really understand what's the value for me. How is that going to help my, the work on my desk? I, I have found that that has tremendous value. And one of the best ways that you can do that is go talk to that customer and understand that customer, right? So that's one. Um, I think two, and I know everyone says this, but I'm not convinced that everyone does this. Um, you have to be willing to experiment and you have to know that if you're willing to experiment, you're going to fail sometimes Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Right. If you don't get it wrong, sometimes it means you're not innovating enough. So I really think that that's something that people need to embrace more and not be afraid of the word failure. Um, I think agile helps get you to that place because the agile methodology with I'm going to, I'm going to work in sprints and I'm going to release an MVP and then iterate and make it better. That really helps with, um, mitigating anyone's fear of failure. But I think that that's really important. Uh, and then I think, I think the other lesson learned in this environment is really we have to think about what's the experience that we're delivering. And um, what I mean about that is that really goes back to that idea that a lot of learning now is going to be based on when does somebody have the opportunity to learn. And um, we we need to make sure that they're having a good experience when they find the opportunity to learn, but we also should be creating those opportunities for, for people to learn. So if I have a a real example for us is we used to do certificate programs that were only on demand self-paced learning. Um, And we said, you know, what if we made certificates available by webcasts? Hmm. And what if we also made that same certificate? What if you could earn it in a live learning environment? And we've been really amazed at the uptick with people who would prefer to earn their certificate through the webcast method than the fully self-paced on-demand method or that the ones that prefer the live version. In my perfect world, we would be able, we would offer people the opportunity to kind of mix and match I want to do this part live. I want to do this as a webcast and I want to do that part on demand because I just can't get to it. And I think trying being able to have that flexibility to go to where your customer is and provide them what they want when they want it has been very valuable as well. Yeah. I, I love that philosophy of uh, creating learning opportunities for people and, uh, you know, providing the, the kind of options that, that you're providing. Now I, 
I don't want to um, end our conversation without having asked you uh, about, since innovation is in your title, you know, what, what learning innovations are, are, are you most excited about right now? Okay. So the most exciting thing, the most exciting thing I think that our team did this past year, and um, I just heard we've been asked to do more of it now, is we've been experimenting with virtual reality. And we, um, last spring, actually, last, well, last spring we were asked to do it, and then we delivered it last summer. We created for the advisory vertical of a large accounting firm, we created a virtual reality experience for them that they used at their annual conference. And the focus was on um, complex problem solving and um, critical thinking. So it was incredible to have that kind of experience in a conference environment. So that's one thing that I was very, I'm very excited about that we've been working on. So I'm also excited about just that we're looking at learning differently. And I consider even these, frankly, I consider the fact that we have a podcast series on digital disruption. I consider that innovative and exciting because it's really us delivering to our customers in a totally different way than we're accustomed to doing and seeing it resonate or seeing those Facebook Live videos resonate with our audience. That's exciting. And um, that's innovation. So I think, you know, virtual reality is a fairly complex innovation, but Facebook Live, anyone can do that with their phone. So that those are two of the innovation, my favorite innovations of 2018, I think. Well, I love it that you're doing Facebook Live, that you're doing virtual reality, that you're doing podcasting, um, that, you know, that, that you're, you're, you're walking the walk, basically, and, and experimenting, as you, you know, said, that uh, learning businesses should do. So that's, that's fantastic. And uh, b- before we wrap up here, uh, I, I do want to ask one more, more sort of personal uh, question of you, and it's one that we ask of everybody who comes on the, the show, and that's, what is, what's one of the most powerful learning experiences that you've been involved in as an adult since finishing your formal education? That is a fantastic question. And I actually think I have one of those probably every day. I Some of my most powerful learning experiences are really those informal learning experiences. Um, I've learned how to become, a, I would consider, a quite astute contract negotiator by talking and working with an IP attorney and technology experts. Um, Or I learned something new about leadership from talking to somebody else and hearing about what they tried. So it's a little simplistic, um, but it's that opportunity to kind of learn from others and just something small and put it immediately into practice that really has been very powerful for me. Well, that's obviously very, very high value that you've gotten out of informal learning. And I guess uh, any, any vendors who are listening, beware. If you're going to put a contract in front of Claire, she's, uh, she's prepared for it. All right. Well, great. Well, Claire, it, is, it has been a true pleasure catching up with uh, you again. It's been far too long since you and I talked. And I realized as you referred to the Center for Creative Leadership that uh, 
you know, we're, we're both here in North Carolina, uh, down the street from each other. If I'd been thinking, I would have come over there with a microphone and interviewed you in, in, in person, um, even on this dismal day that we have outside right yeah. now. But uh, <laughs> maybe it's better that we stayed in our offices and did it remotely. But uh, in any case, thanks so much for coming on the show. If listeners want to know more about you and, and potentially connect with you, uh, where should they go? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter, Claire Rosso, C-L-A-R-R-O-S-S-O. I'm pretty easy to find, but I'd love to talk to people. Well, great. And we'll, we'll put the, the actual links to your LinkedIn profile and to, to, your, to your Twitter handle in the show notes so folks can go there and get those. And in the meantime, Claire, thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff. That wraps up our interview with Claire Rosso. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 169. And when you check out those show notes, you'll also see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we'd be truly grateful if you would subscribe. It helps us to get some data on the impact of what we're doing. We'd also be grateful if you would take just a minute to give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. That will put you in the right place. You can also leave a rating and a review wherever you happen to listen to the Leading Learning Podcast. Jeff and I personally appreciate your ratings and reviews, but even more importantly, those reviews and ratings play a role in helping the podcast show up when people search for the types of topics that we talk about here. And we'd be grateful if you check out our sponsors for this quarter. You can find out more about Authentic Learning Labs at leadinglearning.com slash authentic and find out what Blue Sky eLearn has to offer at leadinglearning.com slash blue sky. Finally, please consider telling others about the podcast. You can send a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash learning. And you can share us with others there. However you choose to do it, please do help spread the good word about the podcast. And when you're out there sharing, you can always use the hashtag, hashtag leading learning. Please do that. And in the meantime, thanks again. And we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. <laughs>